You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would trade anything for love. Hey, guys. Welcome to ISO, the Buns Podcast. The interview this week is with the host of the Pixels and Ink podcast. And the reason for that is the Buns Podcast Network is about to get a new member of the family. So if you want to check out the Pixels and Ink podcast, go to podcast.buns.com and it should be up starting this Friday. So if you don't see it there, check back on Friday and or search iTunes for them. Rate and subscribe and all that good stuff. Welcome them to the family. Anyway, how's your week going, guys? A lot of heated debates on buns, but I'm sure we'll get there when we hit this week in buns. Any good trades? I see a lot of squatty potties up there. I I probably would have tried to take one if uh, they didn't all trade right away. You know, healthy colon and all that. Anyway, I think it's time for this week in buns. Hey guys, welcome to this week in buns. Unfortunately, Callie is on vacation. Yes, they let some of us take vacation. But I'm here, so don't worry. I'm going to cover this probably a lot quicker than I would if it was the two of us bantering back and forward, but I will do my best. And Callie, we miss you. Let's start where I want to start, with the, which is the most interesting post of the week, thanks to Daniela. What is it, you may ask? Well, are you an X-rated gardener? Do you brush beans? What? Do your bush beans need a spicy neighbor? Well, she's trading penis pepper seedlings. And if you are wondering what they are, they are exactly what they sound like. Peppers that look oddly like penises. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the comments that are here because they are hilarious. But I would go check out Danielle's post um, and pop a few of these in your mouth, you know? Penis peppers. Thanks, Danielle. What do we got next? What do we got next? Uh, another one of my favorites of the week. Samantha posts a flame. flame. Oh, my God. I must be tired. A framed Flight of the Concords limited edition number five out of 50 piece of artwork. And it is incredible. It's got Brit and Jermaine and, uh, oh God, Reese Darby's character, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, Fantastic. I don't know if you guys are a fan of that show, but I strongly suggest if you've not heard of it, check it out. What else? What else? What else? Let's keep going with the TV train here. Kayla asks if there are any diehard Steph Tanner fans out there. 
because she has got a series of books all about Stephanie Tanner from Full House. I don't even know that this was a thing. Uh, apparently, it's based on the hit Warner Brothers TV series. So, you know, if you are all wrapped up, wrapped up into that Fuller House business, I would check out these books. We have Sugar and Spice Advice, The Truth About Boys, and here comes the brand new me. And she is in full Stephanie Tanner effect. So if that piece of literature is of interest to you, Kayla on buns. All right. What else have we got? Well, let's talk about... Oh, this is also Kayla. Kayla, you've been a busy woman. Let's talk about Kayla's post... Uh, she is ISO, a bun who drives other people's animals around. Her baby angel, Carl, needs to see a vet, and he screamed in a taxi and it irritated the driver last time. Oh, we have an update, actually. She found somebody who, to drive her little pet to the vet, and I believe it is a little guinea pig with a flower in its hair. Very cute. Incredible, actually. So uh, I think Kayla is worth a follow on Buns because she has got some premium, premium stuff here. So let's talk about a few more animal things. Amanda was on the hunt for her old blind dog. It was lost. But the story has a happy ending, so I'm not going to read the entire post. Buns was able to help find the missing dog. So good on you, Buns Detectives. Good on you. All right, let's talk about a couple more sad animal posts. There were some furs up for trade on Buns and a lot of controversy. I'm not going to really talk about my own feelings on this whole thing. Just know that I am an animal lover. But I will say this. Unless the mods or Buns HQ or somebody decides that there is a rule against furs, I don't think that it's uh, fair to really gang up on somebody for posting furs. I mean, you may not agree, and Buns should be somewhat of an open forum, but as so long as it doesn't become bullying, because uh, some of these posts seemed a little aggressive. And again, I mean, agree with it or not, I think we can, you know, all speak to each other in a sort of cordial manner. I know that some people get the fucking worst out of you. See, I'm swearing already. Passionate. But uh, I think that you need to uh, take a step back and just, uh, you know, let cooler heads prevail. Uh, and I think both the furs were traded. So, crisis averted? Maybe? I don't know. Let's talk about some weird shit. Rebecca posts, Hey Buns, I have a pretty delicious Steve Buscemi cookie up for grabs. We'll trade for bourbon, art supplies. She's in the annex, and uh, Mr. Buscemi needs a good home. Uh, there was also 
in this picture included a John Waters cookie, but it has already been eaten. I don't know who made these cookies, but they are incredible. I love the idea of celebrity lookalike cookies. Oh, no, I do know who made them because, uh, you know, if I had just clicked down a little bit further, I would have seen that Rebecca herself made them. So I would check out this post. They're probably gone, but see what she can do. Maybe you can commission her for a sweet buns trade for some celebrity cookies. Good on you, Rebecca. Keep up the good work. Well, speaking of work, Jonathan posts hashtag tech buns and then a long ass post, which I am not going to read the whole thing. But just so you know, he wants to help you with your Mac. He can reinstall, upgrade, downgrade your operating system, install new hardware or solid state drives, add more RAM, perform basic data recovery, assist with software questions, do a physical cleaning and more. He's had experience working at the Apple App Store and two other Apple repair reseller shops. So if you need help with your Mac, and I'm sure there are a fuck ton of ones out there who need help with their Mac. Sorry, Glenna, for the swearing. Um, hit him up because he sounds like the guy. You know, take it from me because I'm also a computer guy. Jonathan, if I had a Mac, I would send it to you. Only a few more left, so just bear with me here. Some help. Melanie asks, hi again, Buns. I need this post to blow up, uh, so I hope you guys can help me. A friend of mine accidentally took my boyfriend's keys, and she went home and wasn't fully sober. Uh-oh. The keys probably got dropped somewhere around Queen West, Dover Court, up to the Kensington area. Well, that is a... Good stretch there. My directions are vague because she doesn't remember which way she took to get home. They have a really important key, two apartment keys, two car keys, and two fobs on an Adidas band. Please let me know if found. There will death be a reward. Death. I'm super desperate here. One of the keys cannot be replaced or ever remade. Maybe it's one of those laser cut ones. I don't know. Thank you. And if there's anywhere else I should be posting this, please let me know. I'm now going to scroll down to see if they've been found. No. No, they haven't. Uh, or at least it hasn't been updated. I'm going to like this post for you right now, Melanie, to try and get it out there a little bit further. My dog is also going to make noise in the background in support of you finding your keys. Okay, two more. Stefan says friendly buns community my late father was a prolific movie watcher hey mine too for every movie he watched one or two a day he would burn the movie onto a dvd and catalog it when he passed he left a catalog of 3,000 or so of his burned dvds in a large case he also created a spreadsheet for all of them in order to find each movie although i love my late father and share his love for movies i do not need these would anyone be interested in them so then there is an update. Hey all, I appreciate the enormous amount of interest in roughly 6,500 hours. Oh, no. Yeah, 6,500 hours of cinema I have in this trunk. Right now I'm discussing with someone how to donate this to a residence care for the elderly. And then he goes on. But then there's another update that says, 
Jackie from Baycrest Retirement Health Services came and took all the DVDs. They're gone to the residence there. Thank you, Jackie, for coming to pick them up. It is much appreciated. Thank you for the wise suggestions. Stefan, you are a good man. And I feel like most of us young folks, I mean, unless you don't have the internet, then, but you're probably not listening to this if you don't have the internet, but most of us young folks probably have access to the Netflix or the more crafty ones have access to the Cody. If you don't know what Cody is, hit me up and I'll, and I'll hook you up under the table. But, uh, so we probably don't need all these DVDs. I don't even have a computer with a DVD player. So there you go. And the fact that I'm trying to watch DVDs on a computer says a lot. Okay. Final post for this week in buns, Haley. She is ISO, just a single menthol cigarette. Haley, I hope you find your menthol cigarette. Thank you, guys. Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. All right. Interview. Host of the Pixels and Ink podcast. We talk a lot of things like how we got involved in podcasting. Canada's only independent video game magazine. I want to say that with a question mark because I don't really remember. And going to E3. And if you don't know what E3 is, look it up because it is video game nerds heaven. I'm jealous. If you're listening right now to your own interview, uh, maybe next year take me with you? question mark anyway check out the pixels and ink podcast and check out this interview Hey guys, welcome to the Buns Podcast. I'm here with Cody from the Pixels and Ink Podcast. And you might be thinking to yourself, hold on a second. Why is one guy from a podcast interviewing another guy from a podcast? Well, as of this week, this Friday, the Friday that you'll be listening to this, Buns has a new podcast on the network. So if you want to check out Pixels and Ink or any other podcast on the network, go to podcast.buns.com. Give it a listen. Hey, Cody. Hey, how's it going? So uh, let's start at the beginning here. Tell me a little bit about the podcast. So um, Pixels and Ink is uh, produced by CG Magazine. That's uh, the magazine I work for. I'm the managing editor. Okay. Um, So we are CG Comics Gaming. Um, We are a kind of nerd-based entity. Uh, The podcast itself focuses on, obviously, video games. Um, and movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we try to look at it through a little bit of a arts and culture perspective, but uh, we try not to be kind of stuck up about it. We have fun. Right. Okay. Well, so let's just rewind all the way to the beginning. Tell me about the magazine. Before we okay. get into the all things podcast, tell me about the magazine and, and kind of what it's all about, because I'm not familiar. 
Sure. Yeah. So um, we actually are one of the few like physical magazines left out there. Um, we're the only gaming based magazine in Canada, at least to my recollection. Whoa. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're uh, bi monthly publication. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one's coming out pretty soon. So it's going to be uh, a comic based one. So um, we uh, it's going to be very heavy on. Interviews with comic artists, uh, features on comic book video games, uh, movies, and all that stuff, too. Do you know who you got? Um, I do not off the top of my head. <laughs> um, Any image guys? No. Um, I believe we have... We just started talking to um, some people from Titan Studios. Okay. Um, so we're trying to lock down a couple last-minute interviews for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of our writers, uh, he is. Uh, he has his own comic-based uh, podcast as yeah. well um and he's actually working on uh transcribing an interview from one of the dc artists awesome um, who was working on the recent like bane series that they had going on so that'd be pretty cool too well i got a good friend of the show uh named nimit who has been on this show and some of our other shows who is a cover artist he's done um fables he's oh, okay. wolverine and jubilee so if you need any any more last minute additions <laughs> let me know i'm sure he'd be happy yeah to for do sure it. hit us up we're always open to he works for the Raid Studios now, so you guys should also check that out. I'm just going to plug everyone <laughs> I know during this episode. Okay, so when did you guys decide to start doing a podcast? So I actually wasn't with the Pixel Sync podcast from the start. Okay. Um, I started writing at CG Magazine uh, in 2014, mm-hmm. um, and I've been with them ever since, obviously. Uh, it was going on well before that. Yeah. Uh, so why they started, I, I can't say. <laughs> Sorry. How, how did you get involved? Um, it was kind of a last minute thing. I think I uh, I started off as an intern. Uh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was I went to school for journalism, mm-hmm. and um, I needed an internship to graduate. Um, and I just kind of like a fungus <laughs> kept growing and being more irritating, and just kind of tried to get into. On as much as possible right and uh, i think they just there was a last minute hey we need someone can you come on and i guess i can talk <laughs> and okay so let's talk about the the podcast more specifically sure. now um you know are there are there re- reoccurring segments or what do, what can people expect when they listen to the show yeah so we usually uh start off just kind of talking about something topical um like recently uh the the latest issue issue latest episode, episode yeah. <laughs> um that uh we, we kind of focused a lot on the uh the ps3 ceased production in japan so we uh we spent a long way longer than we normally do that just um, happened yeah it was uh earlier in the week possibly late last week well collectors pick those up now <laughs> yeah it was a it was a great console and uh we spent a lot of time talking about our mem- our favorite memories with it um want to give me some highlights what are some of your favorite ps3 memories oh god uh so i actually got my ps3 way late in its life cycle i was actually i was in high school when it launched so Mm -hmm. i was um i didn't have the money to get all all three of the consoles so i stuck with a 360 and a wii and um my 360 broke for the sixth time red ringed on me and i just kind of decided you know what i need something a little more reliable yeah uh that christmas i got a ps3 and um the first game i played on it was meg and i can't say wow yeah i don't recommend it (laughs) yeah well i mean lofty concept though yeah i think i was massive multiplayer yeah i was talking to uh to brendan my editor-in-chief who's also on pixels and ink and we were talking about uh not on the podcast this was off off air we were just talking about how like if that came out now Mm -hmm. i feel like it would have 
worked a lot better. Right. I mean, um, it was the first console game to really try and pull something like that off. I mean, you, you you'd see there's some PC games that had online that you, you know had uh, the allowances for mass amounts of players but yeah. never on a console yeah that was the big thing it's uh it was trying to bring that pc experience on console but uh it just didn't quite work no my uh my second experience though was uh infamous 2 that was the other game i got and infamous oh my God, 2 love oh. that game okay so that's <laughs> when is so that's when you got the ps3 is around that time when that yeah, game came out around that okay I, i'd say see i i kind of had not an opposite experience. I shouldn't say that. I got a PS3 when it launched. Okay. Um, I didn't have an Xbox. When I went a couple of years later, I bought a friend's Xbox okay. who was getting rid of it. And it was one of the original Xbox 360s. And never once did I get a red ring. Really? Because so. I was... Um, my, uh, my brother just started working around that time. Yeah. And uh, so he got a 360 is one of the first things he blew his paycheck on yeah so i was the first kid on my block with a 360 so i had the i had one of the old models too and yeah. just i remember being really smug about it being like i don't understand why everyone's saying this console is breaking down all the time and then all of a sudden it just i did have to send my ps3 back once though really um yeah i don't know what happened but i had to send it to them i paid them like 40 50 bucks or something <sighs> and they repaired it so was it uh? What, did you have the older model, like the fat one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the, yeah. like you the could first... like cook an egg in one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the very first PS3. It was the one where I think they were saying that like if you were playing a game and it was standing up and you turned it while it was playing, like your system would just like die. <laughs> yeah. What was some of your favorite uh, PS3 highlights though? Oh man, favorite um, games? I remember going out and picking up uh, the Uncharted double pack, and um, mm -hmm. popped it in, popped in the first game beat that in a couple days and just immediately popping in number two and uncharted two was like nothing else i ever played at that point it was so high octane and i feel like even until uncharted four i yeah. feel like that no game was able to like reach that uh that, that feeling of adrenaline while playing what about uh last of us the last of us i like i enjoyed last of us um that was definitely near the tail end uh yeah it, it's a really good game too uh, but just Uncharted 2. God, that was um yeah. well, that was a game changer. See, I haven't actually finished Uncharted 2 and I haven't played um, any of the other ones. And I know it's crazy. It's because I played the first one and I was like, this is just a Tomb Raider ripoff. Yeah, uh, that one definitely... The first one, it's... It, one, it shows its age. Yeah. Um, and two, it, it is definitely... It's, it's Dude Raider. Um, yeah, yeah. But Uncharted 2, definitely... The, the story arc of Nathan Drake uh, was fantastic. I felt like you could have ended the series... With Uncharted 2. Sure. And it would have been great. Um, the storyline in 4 is pretty good, though. Yeah. The one thing with Uncharted 4, and I'm uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, there's this one. Have you beaten Uncharted 4? Yeah. Yeah? Well, there's yes and no. I mean, I didn't play through the whole thing. I kind of picked up halfway through, but I watched them play the first half. So. Oh, okay. So I actually, I reviewed Uncharted 4 um, for CG Mag. Yeah. And I gave it a 10 out of 10 because I thought this game was almost perfect um and it's a little social gathering yeah, a little, little party out there <laughs> um so i i reviewed it and i thought it was fantastic yeah and uh the one thing i couldn't shake and and it does make it hard to defend the 10 out of 10 i gave it uh is it's a simple scene where uh it's like a standoff between the main antagonist and nathan drake and the main antagonist has uh 
he, he it was it was like the big standoff before you actually like fight him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nathan Drake's brother had, was pointing a gun at him. He's like, I'm gonna like shoot him or whatever. And Nathan says, No, don't do it. And then proceeds to kill like 50 other people in the next sequence. Right. And I always thought that was weird. Why like all of a sudden murder is a big deal when you've spent the last. God, like four hours just mowing people down. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I games are always always strange like that. I mean, even yeah, even games. So I recently played through again the uh, Do Sex games. Okay. Um, the newer ones, anyway. I mean, the the first one is like my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time. But okay, okay. I recently played through the two newer ones and. The not the newest one, but the previous one. There's a an achievement that you get for finishing the game non-lethal. Okay. But okay, all yeah. the bosses, you can still like you have to kill them. Yeah. There's there's no non-lethal option when it comes to bosses, and I feel like you know that's something that games can they haven't quite really you know gotten. There's there's morality in there, but then like you said it's like watching a superhero like the first superman movie or something yeah. right like he's trying to do good and just literally destroys half of the levels metropolis right. yeah that's um even dishonored had that uh to a lesser extent where uh if you you have the two endings right um there's the good ending and the bad ending there I, I wouldn't say one's better than the other but yeah. there's just the way you play and if you want the ending where everything's happy yeah uh, you need to like play like pacifist run. Um, if you don't care, then you can kill everyone. And it's this weird uh, feeling where it's like, well, if you want all of the upgrades and you want the cool like killing moments, because there's a lot of, they put a lot of work into just like stealth murder animations in that right, game. Yeah, if you yeah. want to actually like experience those, you're gonna have to kill. So it's a it's a weird balance that that both players and developers I think are still working on. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of great games that don't involve killing, but there's, I can't, there's no game that's gotten the whole sort of both sides of the coin just right, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the problem when there's, um, when uh, video games are all about interactivity, that's what separates them from any other medium. So when there's, there's a huge chunk of the story that developers are leaving up to the player. Yeah. Um, and they can try to guide them as much as they can, but people are going to play how they want to play. Right. So, um, and if you if you restrict them too much, then there's no point in playing a video game. They should watch a movie. Right. So it's a it's one of those weird balancing acts that's that's still a, some games have hit it on the head, but yeah. uh, even something like Grand Theft Auto, where it's like, okay, well, I have this impending danger that I'm going to have to deal with, but. You know, in the meantime, I want to like run over a couple hookers, yeah. <laughs> um, like just like cause all this chaos and then act like nothing's wrong. Right. Um, so it's it's strange, but players are getting more and more freedom, and I think de- developers are starting to realize that it's better to not that it's better to leave story out, but yeah. let players make their own story. Right. Right. I think so, things like Minecraft and even Skyrim, to a lesser extent, kind of prove that. Yeah, the Witcher. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> So let's loop back around to the show. So, <clears throat> sorry, you were saying that um, you, you know, the last episode consisted of an intro, and then you talked about your favorite favorite pre- PS3 moments because it was being retired. Yeah. What sort of other things can people expect? From yeah. The show? So um, it's it starts off with our intro, and then um, we go into game news. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then this isn't on the last episode, so people check it out. We do, uh, we normally do movie news. We have a, a movie expert. His name's Phil Brown. Sure. Um, you can check out his reviews on cgmagonline.com, and uh, he does stuff for like the Toronto Star, Globe and Mail, High Def Digest. He's he's all over the place. Um, and yeah, so he kind of runs down some of the big news from the movie industry. Yeah, that was a horrible sentence, but um, <laughs> uh, big stories from the movie industry. Uh, and then we. Uh, we take a little bit of a break, and then we come back. Uh, Phil runs down uh, what he saw that week, so it's a bit of a movie review section. Yeah. And then we talk about the games we played that week. So what are you playing right now? Right now, um, I'm trying to think if I have any embargoes that I have to keep in mind. Uh, I can't talk about one of the games I'm playing right now, mm-hmm. but the other one, I'm playing Victor Vran Overkill Edition. Yeah. Um, it's such a weird weird game i don't know how to how i feel about it um it was a game that came out in 2015 uh that i guess they've ported to consoles now yeah and um it's sort of like a diablo-esque top-down sort of rpg um like dungeon crawl hack and slash yeah a little bit uh there are there are or you can if you want there are like projectiles and things like that if you want um and yeah, so you play as Victor Vran, who's this demon hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I haven't played the main story yet because the Overkill Edition comes packed in with, I think it's DLC. I'm not sure if it's just packed in, but whatever it is. Uh, there's a Motorhead expansion okay. where um, what looks like London has been taken over by, um, they call him the Fuhrer, but he's pretty much Hitler, right? Um, who also has demons for some reason. Yeah, uh, And you... With the guidance of Lemmy from Motorhead, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, lead a resistance against him. <laughs> wow, yeah, it is uh, incredibly dumb, but it's also kind of why I love it. <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you're playing a game that you can't talk about. Now, is yes. it because it's something that isn't out yet that you know, or like, w- what sort of reasons would you have to? Yeah. You know, so when we uh, hush hush, a lot of times when we uh, when we get a review for a game, um, there's an embargo day. So just uh companies like hey don't talk about it until after this point and then right for but that's generally for games that haven't been released yeah yeah exactly awesome well i think i gotta come visit you guys then (laughs) because it sounds like you got some cool stuff going on over there it's a pretty cool office we've got an arcade machine so nice yeah nice yeah i'm uh i don't know i don't know it does it ever feel like work all the time yeah Yeah. see that's my fear though that's the big thing is i I went to school for uh, for journalism. I wanted to get in the games industry right. uh, because I love video games, and I still do. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but um, you do reach a point where you uh, you can't really turn it off. Um, so I, you know, a lot of the games I play, I try to make sure that I'm playing games I want to play. Mm-hmm. Like I review games I want to play because uh, it's also not fair to our readers if you know I'm just having a bad day. I'm like I don't want to play this. I'm gonna rate it poorly or whatever right um but yeah it it is hard even when you try to play on your own to kind of turn off the the critics mindset or just be like oh yeah i talked to the person who made this game things like that not to sound like i'm not trying to sound braggy but it no it's something it's just kind of one of those so like i'm uh a musician and i can't go see a live band or really listen to music without kind of picking it apart a little bit yeah. and dissecting all the little things like, Oh, it's cool. That little drum thing they did there and whatever. I can't just sit there and listen to the song. Yeah. You know? And I think that that just comes 
with the territory a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I still, like I said, I still love video games. I love the industry. Um, but there are points where you, uh, a lot of people too, uh, that work in it, they, they do get burned out pretty quickly. So let's get, uh, let's get into <laughs> some serious stuff here. Sure. Oculus Rift or HTC Vive? Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with Vive. Ooh, I don't know. Okay. Just because, um, I don't know what Facebook's doing with Oculus. Okay, sure. Uh, and and also that whole thing with Palmer Lucky left a yeah taste in my mouth. I like see. I I prefer the controllers on on the Oculus. Yeah, but I, I the room scale on the Vive is is definitely better. Yeah, room scale VR. Uh, the first time I got to play that, that was a big game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think VR is not accessible enough. Uh, absolutely it's very expensive yeah it's 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 expensive and there still are a lot of games that make you sick when you play it oh yeah um, there's a lot of games that make you sick it's kind of difficult to set up you need the space you need actually yeah. there's there's still a lot of barriers for sure and the, the vr that you can get on your phone even the the oculus um the one the samsung vr gear or whatever it's like it's okay yeah you know what though i um Last year around TIFF, I went to a, um, I think it was actually a TIFF event mm-hmm. uh, where they were showing off the what VR can do for, um, I don't want to say cinema because they weren't like big budget movies, but but right. the, what VR can do for your experience as a movie goer. Right. And um, there were, there was a lot of indie stuff, uh, but the one that really stood out to me was a uh, Cirque du Soleil uh, presentation where you're pretty much in the middle of mm-hmm the event that's going on and you have to like turn your like i was on a swivel chair so it's like you have to turn around to like see things that are happening behind you right and they're all playing to the fact that it's vr um and that was really really engaging um and that could really change the way that people experience a movie because for the longest time you were always um on the outside looking in right uh but if you use vr you can actually be on the inside of all the action and like really taking it in. So I always show everyone that I can who comes to my house. Um, I have an Oculus. Sh- okay. Show them the Oculus. And I tell them as a thought experiment. Forget about if you're a techie or it, you can just be anyone off the street. If you've tried this, a, a couple of games, you know, a couple of experiences. If you've tried it, then you have a good idea of what it's about. And you can think about these two things. One is if you can solve locomotion, you know... Th- and so the idea is for anyone who hasn't tried VR, if your character in virtual reality is walking and you are not walking, you immediately start to feel sick. It's different when it's framed like you're in a car or a spaceship because your brain has context for those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But as soon as your peripheral vision is unobstructed and it feels like you're moving forward and you're not, you get sick. So if you can figure out how to solve locomotion, like how to walk around in VR, and again, it would make more sense if you had tried it, then you'd be a billionaire probably. Yeah. Well, there is one company that sort of did something for that. This was uh, before VR got really big though. Have you ever heard of the Virtue Sphere? No. Okay. So this was, I got to try it out. They had a um, a demo unit of it. Oh, you're talking about with the with the shoes and, and it's like the dome shaped thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a big hamster ball. They had it at the Science Center. Yeah. Uh, when was it? Probably three years ago now, four years ago. Um, and yeah, it's just a big hamster ball that you go inside. Um, so they they've, they've are coming out with consumer sort of small scaled down versions of this thing where it's just like a 
you know, little dome that you can stand in. You wear these like special l- lesser gripped shoes and you kind of can w- walk around in the dome. Yeah. And it, it so that's one way, but still, again, it, it's expensive. It takes space. You need all these things. So and the big thing too is uh, because it's a circle, it's a big sphere, uh, yeah. you gain momentum. So that's, that's the next, that would be the next barrier that they'd have to figure out is how do I, if I want to stop on a dime, how do I stop without realizing mm-hmm. I'm inside of a giant ball? So the second problem is, and this is probably easier to conceptualize for anyone, is narrative. How do you tell a story when you can't control where the viewer is is viewing from? Mm-hmm. So, you know, your standard movie, when you're looking around watching a movie, it's framed by the screen. So you can only see what the director wants you to see. In yeah. VR, you can look around everywhere. You can't really... You know, it it would be too intrusive for you to force someone to look in a direction. Then what's the point of having VR? Yeah. So how do you tell a story when you can't be sure where the person's listening? That, uh, we're watching. Sorry. That is uh that is that that would be the next right, the next that, step. That's that's a billion dollar question, right? That's there. hard. I mean, the only thing I could think of is just uh, make sure that any kind of like damage is coming from one side. Sure. Um, I, I know mean, in like the Cirque du Soleil thing, I saw that wasn't a video game, but uh, when they wanted you to w- look at something on the other side, yeah the people that you were facing would stop what they're doing and like look and like kind of look through you. So it's like, okay, what do I have to do? Like what's happening on the other side of me? Sure. And, and there are certain visual cues like, uh, you know, you talked about Uncharted earlier. They're especially good at giving you visual cues as to where you need to go without actually telling you yeah. where you need to go. And so like there's certain things that you can do so that you know, okay, whenever I see a yellow ledge or whenever I see this, like that's, you know, so it's, subconsciously I know because I've played it enough times to know that like that's where I need to go and you could do a certain sort of thing with a movie but the problem is I'm sure there are key points in a film that you really should be paying attention to yeah that anyway so though those are the two things that I always tell people like I mean we don't have the answers yet but if you can figure out an answer you'll you'll be you'll be a rich man or woman (laughs) yeah that's the that's the big question with any uh not just VR uh, cognitive dissonance is a a big question for a lot of game developers. Is yeah. how do you how do you get people so gripped into a game that they forget that they're staring at a screen and there's all this around them? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, until we figure out a way that you don't need a controller anymore, <laughs> then that's always going to be there. So. The last few things I'm going to ask you about are yeah, your sure. upcoming episodes. You told me of some exciting stuff coming up. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm trying to think of anything. Well, we have the E3 there podcast coming up. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, if, if you guys follow the games industry, um, I'm sure you're counting down the days. I used to actually book days off of work, uh, to make sure I could catch all of the E3 press conferences. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, a huge scar on my shin because um one time i had to go it was prom and uh we we had like a prom trip uh camping and it was during the microsoft conference and i had to watch it so i had someone guiding me yeah while i was watching it on my phone and they guided me right into a metal fire pit and i oh shit whole calf got uh, not calf my shin got all scratched up i have a huge chunk out of my of my leg now but um yeah so e3 is coming up and if you care about it as much as i do um we are we're well next week we're gonna have our pre e three podcast. It'll go up on Friday just before 
we all fly out to Los Angeles. And then uh, last year we did this, and I'm we're probably going to do it again because um, I'm going to make sure we do. Yeah, uh, we do uh, a daily podcast uh, from the show, not from the show floor. It's usually a little. It will be a little bit later on in the day mm-hmm. uh, when it goes up, just because um, it's insane the amount of work that goes into uh, covering the show. And uh, CGM is a completely independent magazine uh, and website, so yeah, we don't have um, a huge team going. We we have a sizable team, right? Um, but there's going to be a lot of work that goes into it. So keep an ear out for uh, the week of E3 for the Pixel Sync podcast. Uh, they're a little smaller, um, but there's going to be daily episodes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys are into video games at all, you definitely want to take in as much of that as you can. I don't want... Uh, I, I can't talk about certain things right now, but I can say that um, just looking at the appointments I have lined up just for me, not anyone else, mm-hmm. um, I have some... I have a lot of stuff that I can't wait to share with everyone. So keep an ear out. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming in and chatting with us. If you guys want to check out the Pixels and Ink podcast, again, go to podcast.buns.com. All the past episodes will be up there. And then hopefully every Friday, if I'm not lazy, <laughs> uh, the new episodes will be up. Uh, and I'm sure people can find you out on iTunes. and Yep. So we're on iTunes and SoundCloud. And there's also, we have the website, cgmagonline.com. You can check out nice all right well yeah thanks for joining me man and uh hopefully we'll talk again soon i'm sure you know maybe i'll join you on one of yours one day yeah for sure this was super fun all right thanks a lot no problem bye All right, guys, let's talk music. I got an email from a Laura Binder who says that she is an avid bunzer or bun and also a contemporary folk singer songwriter. And you can check out her album. She strongly suggests that we listen to The Tide, To the North or Author. And you might be asking yourself, well, where can I check this out? It is laurabinder.bandcamp.com. But let me spell it out for you because it is not traditional. It's L-O-R-A. Oh, did I say? I keep saying Binder. It's Bidner. I am the worst. L-O-R-A-B-I-D-N-E-R.bandcamp.com. Again, that's L-O-R-A-B-I-D-N-E-R.bandcamp.com. Here is The Tide by Laura Bittner. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
See my mirror. 